0: Welcome to The Five Nine, the official podcast of the Fierce Telecom and Technology Group. Join us each week for the latest insights on 5G, millimeter wave, AI, electronics, sensors, networking, infrastructure, and more in the communications and technology space.
1: All right, welcome everyone to another week and another edition here of The Five Nine podcast. My name is Alejandro Pineda, your host, and uh, another Great episode coming your way this week. We're joined by Paul Seville. He's a global practice leader for network and edge computing at Kindrill. Paul, welcome. Great to have you uh, join us this week.
0: Hello, thank you, and it's great to be here.
1: All right, Paul. We're going to talk quite a lot here about private networks and what's driving them. Obviously, edge computing right there in your job title, so that's going to be a big focus for us today. But before we get into that, I wanted you to give us a brief introduction into your role and, and perhaps a little bit about Kindrel as well.
0: Sure. So Kindrel is a global uh, IT services company, and uh, we're actually uh, one of the largest in the world, uh, oper- operated, have operations in 50 countries around the world and and manage the whole IT infrastructure stack of, of many Fortune 500 companies. Our, our customers tend to be really large multinational corporations. We, we tend to manage the critical infrastructure of those. And we have been, we're organized in a couple of ways. One is that we, we organize around the country and we have where we have all of our operations and people that speak the language and, and are very close to what's going on in those countries with those customers. But then we also have a portion that that manages across the entire globe. And that's what we have our technology practices And we have uh, a handful of them that include things like security and resiliency and cloud services and data analytics and artificial intelligence. Uh, But the practice that I lead is uh, called the network and edge compute practice. And so what we do is we focus around that part of the the, uh, technology stack that is the different networking technologies that our customers need to deploy. And we tie that in with edge compute because edge compute is so, and how you use edge compute is so closely related to the network function. And it has to be orchestrated so carefully with the the network function. And a lot of times how you use edge compute in an enterprise is closely related to data flows and how you want to manage the data that you want to move around your, uh, your global network
1: excellent well a lot to to dissect there so let's let's start at the top and i always like to ask where we are right so where where do we currently stand obviously there's been a lot of talk about private networks there's a lot of talk about edge compute you know you mentioned there that your clients are large multinationals these folks are probably not used to deploying networks right there's a certain element of education and it and all sorts of complexities that i'm sure you're you're experiencing are we moving at a good pace in terms of deployments? In terms of interest, do you see that there's, you know, innovations coming down the pipeline that will help, per- perhaps, pick up speed if, if that's even necessary?
0: Yeah, yeah. There's, I would say that you know we're we're moving, but we're not moving as fast as we should as overall as as enterprises around the world. The, you know, there, and I think part of the issue is just that there has been so many advancements in this space in terms of technology gains over the last five years that uh, large global enterprises are having a hard time keeping up with this uh, ch- really changing landscape. You know, when you think about the, the reality of how software-defined networking and zero trust and, and using machine learning and artificial intelligence to manipulate networks on the fly, these technologies are really all become real-time here in just in the last few years. And when you marry that with edge compute and the role that it's playing in cloud and how the orchestration technologies for container-based architectures has rapidly evolved and, and turned into something that can be exploited. These are all things that architectures that that have largely not been deployed by uh, big enterprises now. And we're all going through that transformation and trying to get there. I, you know, it's, but, but that transformation is really critical because a lot of it, is that it creates security threats because the, with the landscape changing so quickly, leaving leaving these older technologies out there, which are starting to get to end of life, and the the vendors are all moving to the new stuff and not supporting, you know, phasing out the old stuff. If you get left behind with a lot of that uh, older technology in your network, that the network represents a serious uh, security threat landscape. And that is a big impetus. Needs to be a big impetus behind uh, making the investments to uh, make these these uh, transformations to the to the new technologies.
1: Yeah, and and before we get into you know the, all those elements that you're mentioning within the network, can you maybe go into a little bit more detail around you know what types of deployments you're seeing out there? Obviously, five G is in a way almost designed right for enterprise applications and, and anything mm-hmm. that needs high throughput and. Ultra reliability, so forth. A lot of talk around CBRS, all sorts of different spectrum options. Yeah, what what are you seeing out there? Where's the interest, and, and what are you seeing success in?
0: Yeah, so there is a lot of interest in how the private five G networks can be leveraged in corporate enterprises. You know, and it differs a bit around the world. But, you know, we operate on a global basis. With the, the, we. Have to deal with the different laws of each of the countries and how they're making spectrum available. You know, in the US, CBRS is one of those options for, for these networks. But what we're, we're, we're still very early in the adoption phase, I think, private uh, LTE and 5G networks. We're largely seeing it in the uh, manufacturing and heavy industry space because the use cases in those industries are uh, really pretty clear and pretty easy to see the the benefits from them in many situations uh, de- you know deploying uh, well and i'll also say that we also to see the the biggest earliest traction in in large large environments that involve outdoor environments as well as indoor environments and involve a lot of heavy machinery large towers of equipment manufacturing equipment chemical manufacturing equipment because that's just really an ideal uh, situation that isn't for a private 5G network that Wi-Fi does not really you know, solve very well for, for anyone. And so where where we see these use cases and these, these heavy industry companies come in, a lot of it is being driven by health and safety because there is just uh, so much movement around with human movement that has to happen in these plants and and locating mines and locations, docks, ports, that kind of thing. That the five, what the five G technology, private networks do is they they really enable these customers to do things in a more automated fashion, a way that involves less human motion and human movement to get things done, and that directly correlates to uh, safety in these environments, which is really important for companies, not just from a cost perspective, but just from a employee health perspective.
1: And and you've mentioned there some of those use cases right around docks, ports, heavy machinery and manufacturing. You know, where would you, if you were to use kind of a, a poster child for a private network at the moment or something that you're excited to different companies, you know, who would you highlight or, or who should we look to as a successful yeah. network?
0: Well, I'm excited about a lot of the opportunities that we're working on. Uh, we talk a lot about Dow at our company because we, we have such a close relationship and they've been very good about enabling us to use their name and be very public about what we're doing with them. And that's an, that's an example where uh, we're deploying in their plants across the world, these private LTE networks. And they're a great use case because the, they, they work in such dangerous environments. You know, I mean, manufacturing chemicals is extremely regulated very dangerous environment. And when things go wrong there, then, you know, very bad things can, can happen. And they, they have adopted this technology because it, it improves the overall safety of plant operations and improves the safety of their, their employees. But we're also doing some very exciting, interesting work with, with the mining operations as well in, in other parts of the world. And, that, and that's a, that's another example. It's, it's really the very same thing and that, that it's a, uh, a dramatic improvement in in worker safety by leveraging this, these technologies to control things and to to monitor safety and equipment to make sure that it's it's doesn't create threats and, and and to help these companies reduce human movement. But we're doing some we're we're also engaging with with like like port transportation type of companies and those are interesting use cases because they're really. Expanding into areas that of technology that they have never expanded into before, in terms of doing video analytics in their the vehicles and in the train systems that that they've got in there, and it's it's uh, holds great potential for those types of companies to to uh, improve efficiencies of operations and provide a better customer experience for for their customers who tend to be you know consumers who are who are using rail and bus systems. So a lot of really fascinating use cases out there. And I
1: think what I recently had the opportunity to to visit an outdoor, one of the largest mines in the world in in South America. And you don't really realize the scale and the complexity until you see it in person. I mean, even the the, the machines themselves and the vehicles, but, you know, the operations. It really must be challenging environments that this is being deployed into.
0: Yeah, they are challenging environments, but you know they're they're really ideal for that private uh, LTE, private 5G type of solution because when you when you imagine trying to to cover that area with wireless, uh, well, you know what are you going to do? Stick up a bunch of posts with Wi-Fi, you know, laps on it around the place. That's extremely expensive, and they're at, they tend to be out in remote areas which have very poor carrier. Coverage, So, you know, that alternative is, is often uh, not, not a very good one. It really becomes an ideal technology now that the, some of these governments are opening up the spectrum to enable enterprises to, to, to leverage it. And we, we personally feel like that's an extremely wise move of the, many of the, the country governments to do this because it, what it does is it's, you know, for the first time taking some of this, some of the innovation around that, those corners of the, of the spectrum that used to be just the, the domain of the carriers. And it's enab- putting that in the hands of enterprises to uh, really innovate in their companies in a way that would just be really difficult for a carrier to help them with. So it just puts it in their own hands. And when they're doing, when they do that, it really enables them to start driving the concepts of the fourth industrial revolution into their business and dramatically improve efficiency in how they ro- they run their business. So in the, your mine example, I mean, where we're going with that space is that basically all those massive trucks are going to be moving around through wireless control and on these schedules that are like precision timed <laughs> schedules and on a massive scale. It's just, it's just really future you know, Jetson type stuff that that we're that I think that we're moving to, and that it's enabling. Absolutely,
1: and and let me ask you then, Paul, specifically about edge compute, right? So, obviously, your your big focus there in, in the practice that you lead. What sorts of benefits or improvements do you see edge compute bringing into these private networks, or or even in the operations that these enterprises have? And, and what results are you seeing?
0: Yeah, so we're seeing it in a in a number of ways. In fact, this is a great timing of this podcast because I just spent half a day yesterday with a really large global manufacturing company, and we were spent a lot of time around their architectures around edge compute and what makes sense and what doesn't, and you know what should be done at the edge compute versus the central cloud. Because they're like many many companies, they they made they've made the move to the cloud, but now they're like looking at how they. How they manage data and where they do what calculations, and in their scenarios, it, which I think is very applicable other places, is that they have a lot of different plants. They can do a lot of calculations out of the cloud, but the, it's, it creates inefficiencies when you try to do everything out of the cloud or out of some kind of a centralized data center that's that's located in a in a region that you have multiple plants homed to. So the the edge compute really plays a great role when you can drop it into individual manufacturing areas and let it act as a point for control systems that can be, you know, machine learned and and AI enabled to optimize performance of local operating manufacturing processes. And, and, you know, part of what we, we discussed is how you break that down so that you're not trying to run the whole plant with one AI, but you're running, you're optimizing around individual processes for that localized plant with smaller ais and the that learning can happen on edge compute and be really localized there and it helps from a number of per- standpoints it helps from a localization and control standpoint because the you know the world of it and ot there are still a lot of security approaches that we take that that are different around you know running plant operations and operate with operational technology versus Versus IT technology, but it also it, it's also about optimizing the amount of data that you have to move around. So that by hosting a lot of this on edge compute and running this on edge compute and localizing the data, you're not moving it that data over a lot of great distances and and storing it in many different locations. You're only cherry picking the information that you need to pull out and and moving that. And that's not that's not only important from an efficiency standpoint. But it's important from a security standpoint because the more you're moving data around and dropping it and storing it different places, the greater exposure that it creates, and that's a big concern for manufacturers because the impact. We, you know, we were reviewing data yesterday talking about the impact of, of how, uh, you know, particularly in manufacturing environments, it's increasingly a target for attacks, and the the when the attacks are successful on on a big manufacturing facility. The financial impacts is just enormous, and so keeping that those access points and that movement of data limited to decrease that threat landscape is really important for for companies like that. And edge compute really plays a you know plays a big role in the architecture enabling them to do that.
1: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, the closer you keep the data, the, the safer it is. And you know, you mentioned cloud networking there as well. I imagine that also plays a role, right, in, in this whole. Architecture and and how uh, these networks are being thought out.
0: It does, you know, and in the the old older architecture, when cloud first started coming out, there was, you know, it's gone through many evolutions. Cloud networking has. I remember when it first came out, is like everything goes through the public internet, and then that was that that became problematic because that was okay at first for you know people experimenting and and you know the way they're the types of applications they were running, but. But then we, we started moving toward uh, direct connectivity into clouds to improve performance and improve uh, security and control over latency and uh, the more efficient movement of data in and out. And th- we went through that kind of a phase of, of dedicated network connectivity. And you saw carriers come out with with uh, services around where you take their MPLS networks and they would con- have branches off that would go to, to enable customers' IPvPN networks to connect into clouds. And we had optical networking into, into the clouds well now we're going through moving to a cloud networking evolution that is really back more towards pseudo public internet also dedicated elements of backbone through service providers that are really focused on optimizing global global flexibility and connecting to any cloud that you need to connect to on demand in a very efficient low cost manner and that phase that we're moving to now is really being There's a lot of benefits to to be gained by that. We we are, Kendrell as as a company, for instance, when we you know we're like many of the customers that we serve, global long been in business a long time, have these networks where we had large dedicated global networks, and we are completely taking our internal networks now and shifting them to be completely cloud based. And using these technologies for, for cloud networking so that we no longer will have backbone circuits and, and big points of presence where we act as switching centers for our networks. And that's the kind of transformation that a lot of companies really enterprises where it needs to go and where they can achieve some huge savings and flexibility, ability to, to react much more quickly and dynamically by making that, that transformation. Yeah,
1: and and on that note, I think it's a good good spot to to wrap things up by asking you this this question with with the thought of you know that need for flexibility, you know that that transformation that enterprises are, are undergoing, and very much in partnership with with companies like Kindro and the telecommunications. Then, what what are you uh, thinking about down the road? What are you guys researching and thinking about as you think of enterprise networks, or private networks, and you know 2 5 years uh, and and I know things change quickly but you know a broad idea of what's what's making you say ah that sounds interesting let's look into it
0: yeah yeah well i mean every the, the whole movement towards zero trust is the is a big part of of where we're going and where we see it going i mean ultimately we i mean everything being where where you can introduce ai technology into the the routing control of the network and the security managing the security posture of the network so that you're you have com, you know complete control of who sees what where and you're not dependent upon you know firewalls anymore to to do that type of protection that's where the the future is and and where a lot of our a lot of our research focus is about great
1: well we'll have to bring you back to tell us a little bit more as that as that takes place and, and as you yeah. find out more but in the meantime Paul thank you so much for for joining us and giving us an insight into what's going on in, in the world of the private networks.
0: Yes, thank you. It's a pleasure.
1: Excellent. And to you, listener, thanks for joining us for yet another week here at the 5.9 podcast. And as always, we'll be back in your feed next week with another great interview of the leaders and movers of our industry. Until then, take care and see you soon. Bye-bye.
0: You've been listening to The Five Nine, Fierce Telecom's official telecom and technology podcast. Follow us on ZenCaster to get the latest ICT insights each week. Get the latest telecom and technology news at our websites. FierceWireless.com, FierceElectronics.com, FierceTelecom.com, and FierceVideo.com. See you soon.